first now. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and clean. How marvelous, how wonderful and right strong shall ever be. come forward to receive our offering. It is a joy to have those that are visiting with us tonight. And if we have any first-time visitors, if you would just raise your hand up there as the ushers come down the aisle, we have a little packet that we'd like to give to you. Inside is a gift, and there's a guest card. We'd appreciate so much if you take just a moment to fill out. We want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us. We want to send you some information about the church, but uh, we're certainly thrilled about all of you being with us tonight. 
Let's pray. Father, bless the offering now. Continue to move through this service, glorifying the name of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.
like you mean it. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Just began to live. I just began to live. When God's amazing grace came in, I just began to live. All things have passed away. I see a brighter day. My name's recorded up above. I just began to live. I just began to live. I just began to live. When God's amazing grace came in, I just began to live. All things have passed away. I see a brighter day. My name's recorded up above. I, one more time, get the words now. I just began to live. I just began to live. When God's amazing grace came in, I just began to live. All things have passed away. I see a brighter day. My name's recorded up above. I just began to You may be seen. We did that little course a few weeks ago. I just began to live, and Ronnie and Jane's little grandson, he was back there when we got through. He went, Yahoo! Amen. <laughs> and maybe we need to do that as well. But uh, it is good to be saved, isn't it? Amen. I thank the Lord for that Sunday, 1972, April the 2nd, Easter Sunday morning. And I realized for the first time in my life that it was lost and that the Lord would save me. I thank the Lord for it. Tonight, as many of you know, we are incorporating into the service uh, the ordination of Terry. And it's a proud moment for uh, our family, a proud moment as a church. Uh, Brother Sam Woods was in a few weeks ago in our family conference and, and uh, we were talking. He said, it must be real fulfilling to see your, to have a child in the ministry and, and serving in the church. And I said to him, Sam, I said, what is fulfilling is to see all of the children serve the Lord. We never told our kids growing up, we never said to them, we want you to be a preacher, we want you to do this. What we always said to the boys was, if whatever you do, if you'll serve God and you'll honor the Lord and you do whatever the Lord wants in your life, we'll be very proud of you. And I'm, I know a lot more about my boys and what they've done through the years than they think I know. They've not been angels, I know that. They may have married one, but they've not been angels, I promise you that. I know a lot more than they think I know. That's the good thing about being a preacher. Uh, they tell you everything. I know a lot of things about you that you don't know I know, amen. But uh, it is fulfilling. All of our children, they're in church and involved in church that's what's fulfilling that's what's fulfilling for any parent and as you do your best we always try to have a home where we wasn't perfect by no means and i certainly had my failures as a father a number of them but we tried to have a home where we loved each other and expressed that love and showed that love and tried to have a good home we had a lot of fun growing up through the years and all but uh, it's fulfilling to have all the kids serving the lord and in church 
But it is a blessing when God calls one of your children into the ministry. And it's a real blessing tonight as we come to this service. So we're doing things a little bit different as we uh, take this service and uh, use it for the ordaining of Terry. It is a joy to have Dr. G from Covenant Seminary with us tonight. Terry has mentioned him so many times. He'll come home and say, Dr. G said this and, and different things. And it's a real joy to have him here tonight. I want him to come take a few moments as he comes to say a word about Terry and represent the school. And let's welcome Dr. G. Miss G as well. Good to have you. Well, I'm not going to tell you anything about Terry that the rest of you don't already know. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you for inviting me, Pastor, and Terry to be a part of this auspicious occasion. And he wanted me to say a few words about Covington Seminary and the work there. Covington is a very small seminary, but this gives us an opportunity to get to know each of the students individually. Makes for a good relationship. We fill a very unique uh, niche in the education of young men. Many young men are not able to pack up and go off to a, another city, find a new job, and put their families through a lot of changes and stuff. And Covington gives them that opportunity to still get an education and remain at home or on their job until the Lord finally puts them where he wants them. I guess I have to say this, but Terry is an excellent student. And he's very serious about the things of the Lord. We sometimes have some very <laughs> uh, interesting conversations in class. And I certainly enjoy that. You know, they say steel sharpens steel. And if your words can't stand the test, they aren't very good. It's always a pleasure to see one of your students who gets ordained or ordained and called into the mission field. And it's been my pleasure to have seen numerous fellows from Covington graduate and go on to work full time for the Lord. As a teacher, it's rewarding to see that some of your efforts come to fruition. You know, sometimes you wonder, <laughs> are they all sleeping back there or, <laughs> or are they listening? But I'm proud to say that, that uh, Terry does a good job, not just of listening, but in participation. Terry, tonight you're about to enter into an awesome responsibility, one not to be taken lightly. When you got married, you took on a great responsibility. But tonight, you're being confirmed into the ministry, into an awesome greater responsibility. And many times, your family will suffer as a result of this. This should not be done unless you have agonized in prayer and you're absolutely sure you have the peace of God in your heart that this is his will for your life. I recall when I was ordained how the greatest fear of my life came upon me. I thought, Lord, what have I gotten myself into? 
And then you get to thinking about the responsibility that comes with it. The people's lives that you should affect rightly. Will I fail? Or will I be the good servant? I know in a few minutes that you're going to be given the charge and ordained. And I want to quote four verses of New Testament scripture to you which may be repeated in the charge, and if they are, I ask your indulgence for the repeating of them. If you have your Bible and you want to look, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll start there. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Then turn to chapter 6 and verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and opposition of science falsely so-called, and then the last one in 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold fast that form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Again. Thank you, Pastor and Terry, for an opportunity to participate in this. It's been a joy today to have Bill Prater with us. And Brother Bill's been a friend of mine for the past few years. He pastors Fellowship Baptist in liberal Kansas. I always call it conservative Kansas, but it's liberal Kansas. And he's going to sing for us tonight. Let's welcome Bill. It's a blessing to have him here. I too 
was lost so long, but Christ made way to God. Now it's my desire just to these preachers that can preach and sing and do it all. Amen. Oh, what a blessing. Appreciate Brother Bill. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want to just point out a few things tonight from the Scripture, and I'll be brief in doing so. I never ordained someone that I don't remember my own ordination and don't remember the early years of my ministry and recall so many things. Of course, I was 16 years old when I got saved. Shortly thereafter, uh, the Lord called me to preach. On a Sunday night, people often say, how do you know the will of God? I tell you how you know the will of God. Just submit yourself to do anything God wants. He'll show you what you, He wants for your life. I went to the altar on a Sunday night in July of 1972, right after I was saved. And my Sunday school teacher knelt beside me. You've heard me tell this before. And he said, what can I pray with you about? And I said, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give everything to the Lord. And God knew I meant it. And I can't explain it, but I knew when I got up that night what the Lord's will for my life was. 
on Tuesday night, I surrendered the Lord after I left work and uh, gave my life to the Lord to be a preacher and to serve God. I remember that night, I love, uh, I remember I pulled off the side of the road, got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you want me to be a preacher, I will. I cannot describe to you in the words the joy that filled my heart that night. I cried for a minute and shouted for a minute. I come out of an old-fashioned shout in church, and, and uh, you didn't have to sing nine stanzas of amazing grace to get us fired up. Just mention Jesus. We's gone, amen. And, but uh, I mean, the joy filled my heart. I'd cry for a moment, laugh a moment, and shout a moment. Went to the house, got home about 1 o'clock, didn't get off work to about 12, and I pulled in the driveway, and I just, I was having a time, just rejoicing. Mom, the light, come on. Mom walked out, and she said, what's wrong? And I said, Mom, guess what the Lord has called me to do? And she said, what? I said, he's called me to preach. Now, this is exactly what she said. She said, Ken, have you been drinking? No, that's exactly what she said. I remember I got my brother up. He's 13 months younger than me, and uh, we got, got him up. We drove to the preacher's house, and it was probably 3 o'clock in the morning before I got into bed. But it was a joy about knowing that I was doing what the Lord wanted me to do. And then, of course, the first opportunities, it was a couple of years before I ever had my first opportunity to go out somewhere. I still remember the first time I ever got to go to another church and preach. I was so excited. Worship Point Baptist Church in Lenore, North Carolina. And I'll always cherish that place. Brother Benny Green was the pastor. Invited me to come on a Sunday night. I thought I was Billy Graham. I really did. I, I got to go to another church. And uh, so I had very few opportunities. But then there was a day that uh, the Lord put us in his wheel again. And my wife and I have just got married. We're, we're, in fact, I asked her to marry me the night that I settled in my heart where the Lord wanted me to go to school. And, and she'd been asking me for months to uh, pray about asking her. So I finally did <laughs> and surrendered. And uh, but all through these years, I, I think about so many wonderful times. When, I was, when we were dating, uh, she'd go with me to some places. I remember uh, one, I had one opportunity where I got to preach in a church down near uh, uh, Fish Springs, Tennessee, which is down between Boone and uh, Elizabethan. Got to preach on Sunday morning, and then I had to drive all the way up into Virginia for an afternoon service. And I was so excited getting to preach two times on Sunday. And so I went down to this little church down there on the lake and preached on Sunday morning. The pastor that was preaching for it pastor of both churches. And uh, so he was not at that church that Sunday morning, so I preached for him and then drove up to where he was having services on Sunday afternoon. A little block church, a little bitty block building, a little bitty thing. It was different. It was different. And, of course, in my enthusiasm in those days, I mean, if it moved, I shot at it. I mean, if it <laughs> raised his head up, I cut it off. But I remember saying something that night or saying something that afternoon about uh, talking in tongues. I don't even know. I think I, I don't even was preaching. I probably preached on the second coming. But if I was preaching on the second coming, I'd say Jesus would be coming back and he won't be talking in tongues either. I'd get that in somewhere. But I said something about it. After the service, this fella come up and grabbed me by the arms and he'd had a spell in the service. And he said, I need to talk to you, young man. And I was 18, 19 at the time. He carried me off down a path. I mean, we had got on a little gravel road going way back up in the middle of north. To this day, I have no idea. I could never get back there again if you asked me to go back. I have no idea where it was. And uh, he carried me in a path, down this path, down by the creek, and set me down. 
and give me one of those long lectures about, I know you are young, and I know you're getting started, and I know you don't understand everything. And he lit into me about what I had said about talking in tongues. Well, just for your interest, I hadn't changed my mind one lick these 27, 28 years, amen? But I sat there and listened to him, and I thought, I am about to get shot down here in the woods with this fella. <laughs> Sherry, she's up there. She had no idea what was going on. But I've relived a lot of those experiences and whatever like that. It's a blessing, and I thank the Lord for it. I'm looking forward to all that the Lord has for Terry in the days to come. Would you stand as we honor the reading of his word? 2 Timothy 4. I want to just share with you a few things tonight about the preacher. Simple things, and I'll give them to you briefly. I give them to Terry just to remind him so he can always remember this night what it's about and as well to challenge all of our hearts. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. The Scripture said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. Thank you. you. may be seated. In a simple way tonight, I just want to talk about the preacher. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' name, as we gather here, it is our desire to live for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that Sunday morning in 1972 that you saved me. Thank you, Lord, for that night when you put a deep desire in my heart to want to do the will of God. Thank you, Lord, for th that, that through the years you have maintained that fire and that desire in my heart to want to serve you. I must confess, Lord, there have been times the flame flickered a bit, but I thank you for those reviving, refreshing times when you rekindle that fire in my heart. I pray to your Lord, never let the fire go out. Keep within my heart, as well as each of us tonight, a desire to want to live for Jesus Christ and a desire to live for Christ and to touch others for Him. I pray now that you'll take these few moments as we look at your Word and we are reminded of the preacher and of his role and his responsibilities. I pray, Lord, that you'll honor the name of Jesus Christ and stir the heart of Terry as well as everyone in this room. And we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is coming to the end of his life. The words that we read a moment ago in 2 Timothy 4 were given in the last days, maybe, even po maybe po possibly even the last hours of his life. And as he comes to the end of his life knowing that death is near, he has these parting words and a word of charge to young Timothy, one that he loved deeply and one that he had poured his life into. He has something to say about his own self and his own testimony, how he's finished the course and he's fought a good fight. But he challenges Timothy, and he challenges Timothy about being a preacher. I point out three things from the text tonight about the preacher and what he had to say about the preacher. 
I point out, first of all, that he had a word to say about the preacher and his ministry. Obviously, a preacher has a ministry. What is the preacher's ministry? Well, I point out quickly two things about the ministry that has been given to the preacher. For one thing, I am mindful tonight that the preacher and his ministry, that his ministry is a divinely appointed ministry, or it's a ministry that has been appointed by God. In 1 Timothy, or rather 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul said, Whereunto I am, a, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul said, I am a preacher because I was appointed to be a preacher. I am a preacher because this is what God has given me to do. I remind Terry, as well as each one in this room tonight, that the ministry is not a choice, that the ministry is a call. You see, the ministry is more than a career choice, and the ministry is more than a vocation to enter. I remember my own school days, and I remember so many students, and you would hear them talk once in a while, and they would talk about what they were going to do, how they were looking at this. Some said, you know, I'm really thinking about going and being a pastoral major, getting into a pastor, pastoral ministry. Some talk about, I'm thinking about maybe going into missions or maybe into Christian education and whatever. And they would talk about it as if it was a choice of theirs, as if it was some, there was this, a line of things, and you went through and picked out what you wanted to do, even though it was being done for God, as if it was a choice. But again, I remind you tonight that the ministry is not a choice. It is a divine appointment. It is a call of God. It is what God gives a man to do. Every person here tonight, there's something God has for your life. And your gifts are equally important as any other gift. And God has a role for every believer. But when it comes to this matter of being a preacher, that is not something an individual chooses to do. It is a position or a role or a function that has been divinely appointed by God. And I would say to Terry tonight and say as a testimony myself, there's not a greater thing that a man can do than to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't trade places with President George Bush for anything in the world. I am glad tonight that I represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am a preacher. It is a divine appointment. But not only is the ministry of the man of God or the preacher divinely appointed, but it's also a divine assignment. It is an assignment that has been given by God. 2 Timothy 4.2, we read a moment ago, where Paul said to Timothy, Preach! Underscore the word preach for just a moment. The word that he uses there is a word that literally means to proclaim out loud. There is a personal matter in this matter of the ministry. There is a public matter in the matter of being a preacher of the gospel. Personally, it is a divine appointment. It's something that God calls a man to do, not what a man chooses to do. It's a divine appointment. It's a personal matter. But when, a man calls, when God calls a man to be a preacher, it becomes a public matter as well because that man has, given me the, has been given the assignment of proclaiming publicly and proclaiming a wonderful, wonderful message. The word preach sometimes was used of a herald that would stand outside a palace and make important announcements for the emperor or the ruler or for the king. Sometimes the word was used to describe a town crier, someone who would go through the streets and would tell people of coming events or make news announcements or whatever. But primarily the word basically and always described a spokesman for someone else. Someone that is 
uh, bearing the news of another, someone that is proclaiming out loud, publicly making known that which has been sent for another. You see, the assignment of the preacher is that he has been sent by God to represent God and he has been sent by God to bear the news from God. He has been sent by God to publicly give the word of God and to tell others what God has to say. That is the assignment of the preacher. Now, sometimes we have our own ideals what a preacher is, what he's supposed to do. From our different traditions and backgrounds, we have an ideal that a preacher should be this and he should do that and how he ought to do this and how he ought to do it that way. But the bottom line is this, that the assignment of a man that has been called by God, a man that has been appointed by God, his assignment is basically this, preach. He is to be a herald of God's word. He is to be someone to announce this is what God says in His Word. He has this divine assignment. See, sometimes when a preacher preaches, uh, and he doesn't do it intentionally, it's not my goal or ever my intention to ever offend somebody. I've often said, I do not apologize for my position, although often I may have to apologize for my disposition. It is never my intention to offend someone, but I want you to understand this that if me or anybody else preaches the Word of God and it bothers you, don't come to us. The Word of God has to say. That is the preacher and his ministry. But there's something else I focus upon briefly, and that is not only the preacher and his ministry, but the preacher and his message. For Paul said to Timothy, not only preach, but he said, preach the Word. He said, be instant in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. What is the preacher and his message? What is the message of the preacher? He has been appointed by God and given the assignment of preaching the Word. You see, the assignment of the preacher is not book reviews. And the assignment of the preacher is not uh, the matter of uh, economics or current events or sharing his own ideals or sharing his own philosophy. It's not a matter of coming before you with my little stories or my theories about matter. Matters. You see, the message of the preacher is what God says in His Word. This is the message of the man of God. And woe be unto any preacher that gets away from anything but what God says in the book of God. We are to preach the Word. That is the message of the preacher. He describes in verse 2, uh, first of all, when the preacher is to preach. Notice what he said. He tells him to preach, and then he tells him when he is to preach. He said, be instant in season and out of season. I remember an old preacher at home where I got saved. He said, you preach in season, out of season, but the best time is when the season's on you. Well, I like that. But he tells us here to preach and to preach in season and out of season. The phrase there, in season, out of season, was a military term that spoke of staying at your post. We might say just sticking to it, staying at the matter. And what Paul says to Timothy is, I want you to preach. That's your assignment. And I want you to preach the Word. I want you to come and tell publicly and tell the people what God says in His Word. That's your appointed assignment. Preach the Word. But then he said, Timothy, I want you to preach when it's convenient, but I want you to preach when it's inconvenient. Preach the Word when it is popular. Preach the Word when it is unpopular. Preach the word if it's accepted. Preach the word if it's not accepted. In season, out of season. Just preach the word. Preach that which God has given you to do. But he not only talks about when the preacher is to preach, but he also talks about what the preacher is to preach. Preach the word 
in season, out of season. And notice these words he said, in reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Doctrine simply speaks of teachings. He said, I want you to take God's word, the teaching of God's word, and I want you to do something with that word. He said, I want you to reprove, he said in verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, and reprove. You see that word reprove there? It simply talks of convicting or convincing. The simplest way I know how to describe it is, Timothy, I want you to confront sin. I want you to confront sin. Look at sin, confront sin, call sin by name. Now I know we live in a day and age where everything is geared toward being seeker-friendly. And I know we live in an hour where everything we're geared to where we do, we're not to do anything or say anything that would be offensive to anyone. But I want you to understand me tonight and listen to me. One of the calls of the preacher is to confront sin in the lives of the people of God. I think about the gentleman out in California by the name of Robert Shuler. He came out with a book several years ago and he made this statement in the book. He said, I don't think anything has been done in the name of Christ and under the banner of Christianity that has proven more destructive to human personality and hence counterproductive to the evangelistic enterprise than the unchristian and the uncouth strategy of attempting to make people aware of their loss and their sinful condition. Now, some folks think Robert Shuler's the best thing since sliced bread. I would say this. If I see him out on the side of the road, he's got a flat tire, I'm going to do everything in the world to help him. But it's my prayer is when he gets up on Sunday that he chokes to death. Can I get an amen right there? What is this matter of confronting sin being detrimental? No, that's the call. The preacher is to preach and he is to reprove. He is to confront sin. Never get upset with anybody that calls sin and confronts sin. That's what he's been called to do. That's his assignment. Not only is he to reprove, but he is to rebuke. And to reprove would be to confront sin. Really to rebuke would be to tell the people that you have sinned. It's not enough to get up and say this is wrong or this is right. You must somehow bring it, bring people to the awareness that look, you are a sinner. And you stand in the need of Christ. Or that you have failed God. This is what God says in His Word. And this is what the Bible says. And you are either right or you are wrong. He must also rebuke. Someone says that he knows if anybody preaches that way that they're narrow-minded. And it will, Terry. Through the years you may find some that if you take a stand on sin and you preach against sin and whatever, that someone will say you are harsh, you are narrow-minded, you are dogmatic, and you're mean-spirited. And if you do it with a mean spirit, it's a different story. But yet sin must be confronted and he must be made personal and dealt with. I agree with Dr. R.G. Lee who said, As to be narrow, I have no desire to be broader than Jesus. And Christ himself, he dealt with sin. He said to rebuke. But not only was he to rebuke and to reprove, but also he was to exhort. That's the flip side. The preacher not only has the responsibility of confronting sin, dealing with sin, dealing with your sin, dealing with my sin, watching over you and caring for you and telling you and warning you, this is wrong, this is sin, this is abhorred by God. But on the other side, he also has the ministry of encouraging and of building up and strengthening and edifying you as a child of God. I've always said, and Terry's grown up, he's, this is all he's ever known is his dad preaching. And the only Sundays in his life 
that he's never known me to preach was with somebody else was standing in my place and preaching for me. That's, this is all he's ever known. And he's grew up under my preaching. I'm the only pastor he's ever known. So the only preaching he's ever known basically has been my preaching down through the years. And, and of course, when you hear him, you see that coming out in him. And I don't know that a helper heard him say amen right there. But this is all he's known, and, I, and he knows that what his dad has dedicated his life to through the years is simply taking the Bible, the Word of God, and taking a verse and going through that verse or taking a section and going through that section, not just reading the newspapers to come up with my sermon on Sunday morning, but to go through the Word of God and to take a text and then tell the people this is what the text says, and they leave built up and edified from what God says in the Word. Preaching, a lot of times the text, as I have so often said, is like the star-spangled banner at a ball game. It gets it started, but don't have anything to do with the sermon from there on out. But preaching is taking the Word of God. Till I come, Paul said, give attendance to reading, to the reading of the Word, and to doctoring and to exhortation. Challenge them and get them to apply the Word of God. Preaching, you are to preach. What you're to take and do with the Word of God is to build people up and edify them. He talked about with all long suffering, staying with it, not giving up, not giving in, and taking the Word of God in doctrine, teaching, and building people up with the Word. He describes in verse 3 and 4 how conditions would exist where he said they would not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There would come a time where what you said and the depth of what you said no longer mattered. The length of what you said would become the issue. And I, we live in a day much like that. A preacher can, it's not what he says, but it's how he says it a lot. I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina where we judge preacher by a preaching by how you preach and not what you said. Like the little boy come home one day and told his mother, he said, Mom, God's called me to preach. She says, and is, that, is, is, that, is that right? He said, yes, ma'am. And he said, well, preach for me. And the little boy said, the little red fox ran around the big red barn. She said, son, that's not preaching. That's not preaching at all. You need to go to school and learn how to preach. So he went off to school, come back. And his mom said, have you learned to preach? She said, yes, I have. She said, preach for me. He said, a little red fox ha, ran around the big red barn. She said, now that's preaching, son. Amen. <laughs> We're more geared in how we say it rather than what we say. He said there would come a time when they no longer would be interested in that which is healthy, healthy doctrine, life-giving truth, but they would be more interested in the length of a sermon. I think about one preacher that was preaching, and uh, in fact, a church was looking for a pastor. Maybe you've heard this. They were looking for a pastor, and they wanted somebody that preached short sermons. They heard about a man that was known for uh, the brevity of his sermons, and so they went to hear him. And the first Sunday they heard him, he preached 15 minutes. They said, we like this guy. So they extended to him a call. In his first service in Sunday in the church, he preached for 30 minutes. Well, they kind of raised an eyebrow or two because the first time it heard him, it's 15 here, he preached 30. Well, the next Sunday he comes back, and he preached for two hours. So they called him together and they said, we, we don't understand this. The first time we heard you, you preached 15 minutes. The first Sunday you were our pastor, you preached 30. And the second Sunday you preached two hours. Would you explain yourself? And he said, that's easy. The Sunday you came to hear me, I had just had all of my teeth pulled and my gums were sore. The first Sunday I preached here, I, my dentures were new, so I didn't preach all that long. But last Sunday I accidentally put my wife's teeth in. Amen. Say amen right there. But he said, there would come a day. 
They were no longer interested in what you would say, but how you would say it, not in the depth of the message, but in the length of the message. And he said, they'll turn away, the, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But it's like Paul is saying to Timothy, it doesn't matter how anybody else treats preaching, you preach. And it doesn't matter whether they want to hear it or not, you still preach. And it doesn't matter what their attitude becomes. They may not want to hear it, but you preach anyway. And they may not like it, but you preach anyway. And if he gets his liberals of God, preach anyway. You're my man. Preach the word and don't ever change. That's what he's saying to you. Stick with it. If they like it, great. If they don't, they can lump it, bump it, dump it, and jump it. But preach. Just stay with it. Can I get an amen right there? He talked about the preacher and his ministry. And the preacher and his message. But I glean from the passage here, the preacher and his motive. What is the motive? What should your motive be, Terry? What should my motive be? What should any of us, our, what, are, what should our motive be? That drives us to do what we do. For one thing, in verse 5, I find there is the motive of an accomplished ministry. He said, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of evangelists, and make full proof of thy ministry. That was phrased, full proof, to accomplish to achieve, to make full proof, not just the proving of yourself, who you are and what you are, but bring to fulfillment, accomplish that which you have been given to do. Every preacher ought to have in his heart a drive that says, I want to fulfill my assignment given to be my God. There is that work that God has given to my life and given to me. And I ought to be driven and have within me a passion that I want to accomplish what God has given to me to do. An accomplished ministry. Then I go back to verse 1 and I glean from this text that is an acceptable ministry as well. What should drive the preacher? He began by saying, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead is appearing in his kingdom. He begins by reminding Timothy, one of these days you're going to stand before God. He'll judge the dead. He'll judge the quick. Timothy, one day there's judgment day. One day you'll appear before Christ. One day you'll stand before the Lord. Why should a man that has been appointed by God to be a preacher, why should he preach the Word of God regardless of the circumstances, in season, out of season, regardless of the day? Why? Why preach the Word when it is favorable or not favorable? Why? Because one day he'll stand before God and give an account for his ministry. And that which ought to drive every preacher is that one day he'll stand before God with a ministry that is acceptable to his Savior. One in which you'll hear the well done of the Savior. One in which you'll be pleasing to God. A ministry that glorifies God. A ministry that has been accomplished. Like Paul would say in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. He said, I've finished it. I've accomplished what God put me on this earth to do. Motivated by accomplishing what God has called you to do and motivated by glorifying God. That's the preacher. Now, if you were to take that as members here and realize what drives the preacher, what motivates the preacher, why he may deal with this and why he may deal with that, understanding that's what he has to do. That's what he's been called to do. It'll help you to appreciate the preacher a little bit more. But driven by these things to glorify God. You're a preacher, Terry. You've been called by God to be a preacher. 
Not a greater honor. Not a greater privilege. The preacher. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Or you really don't have to close your eyes. I'm going to ask Terry and Angel. We always ordain deacons and ministers with their wives because you can't divorce the two. I want Terry and Angel to come and kneel. I want our men that are participating tonight and the ordination council to come and gather around Terry. Save me a place where I can get to him. And what we do, we're just all going to pray together. I've asked Brother Bill Prater to come and to pray our ordination prayer. And I, we're going to lay our hands on Terry. As we said to Terry earlier, Terry, we lay our hands on you, Temple Baptist Church, and each man that's participating. is saying publicly that we believe that you are called of God. That we believe you've been appointed by God and been given the assignment of preach the Word. That's what this service, this moment is all about. It's not a thing in our human hands that we impart to Terry except our prayers and our love and our belief that this is the call of God in his life. He served here in this church as our youth pastor for over a year. I, we could have ordained him earlier, but I told him in the beginning, your schooling is vital, your schooling is important. You get through your school, and as I see you coming near or at least accomplishing part of your goals, then we'll ordain you. Because I told him time and time again, we don't put things in your lap. You follow God and let God give them to you. He's done a great job for us. This church loves him, and I thank you for loving him. He's done a great job with our youth, and we thank the Lord for him. But Brother Bill, I want you to come and pray our ordination prayer tonight while we pray with Terry, and then we'll proceed in a moment. Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you from the depths of our hearts for reaching down and touching the heart and the life of another young man. And Lord, thank you for the testimony of Brother Terry and his love for the Lord. And Lord, in just the few short days that we've been together, I sense a zeal in his heart. Lord, there's a burden in his heart to reach those that are lost and help teenagers to live for the Lord and Father I just pray tonight that you would fulfill his every desire God I pray tonight that every time he stands in the pulpit that you would anoint his lips God I pray that you would bless his dear wife and family and Lord if there's anything that the devil would want to do it would be to destroy his ministry by destroying his home. And God, tonight we stand here as men of God. And Lord, we pray a hedge of protection about Brother Terry and his family. And God, I pray that you would just bless in everything that he does. Lord, I pray that each and every day that his heart would beat with the desire to walk with God. And the Lord, he would burn in his heart to to preach the word as he's been charged to do tonight by his own father. And Lord, tonight we pray for Brother Terry, even the prayer of Jabez. The Lord, you would bless him indeed. 
God tonight, however you decide to do, I pray that you would pour your spirit out upon him. God, I pray that you would just pour your blessings out upon him. God, I pray tonight that you would enlarge his coast. God, I pray tonight you would expand his ministry that, that over the next weeks and months and, yea, even years to come, that he would find himself ministering to people in ways that he never imagined possible. Lord, as he does that, I pray that your hand would be with him. Lord, if we've already prayed, that I pray that you'd keep him from evil. Lord, we live in a day of so much evil. Lord, I just pray that you would take this very solemn occasion I pray that Brother Terry would never forget it. Lord, I pray that he would remember this occasion and those times that he's down, I pray that he'd just pull out that tape of his charge tonight. Lord, those times where he's challenged even by the devil to, to give in and to compromise. And I pray that you would help him to just reach for that tape was dad preaching tonight and remember the moment these men laid their hands on him and God made that stir within him a spirit to just keep on keeping up Father thank you for the blessing of being here this evening Lord may we go away from here tonight with a real sense of the seriousness and the solemnness of what we've been privileged to be a part of Lord we look for good things Brother Terry and his ministry. Lord, whatever you choose to do with him, I pray that he would bring honor and glory to the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. I remember so many things about our boys growing up. It was our custom around the house. If things were serious, I'd always say to the boys, meet me in the living room. If I ever, we didn't do that about maybe four or five times in their life. But if I ever said meet me in the living room, they knew it was bad. They knew they were fixing to get a good one. We disciplined Cherry throw something at him and that kind of thing. But I'd always, if it was serious trouble, I'd say, meet me in the living room. <laughs> Tracy, I, one night I remember Tracy, I said, Tracy, go to the living room, wait on me. And I'd usually make them go in there and sit about 30 minutes because they knew when I got there, they was fixing to get a beating of their life. And But I remember I went in that night, I said, Tracy, I started talking, he spoke up and said, Daddy, Daddy, did before you, before you, before you say that, I need to talk to you. I said, what is it? He looked at me and said, Daddy, I believe I need to get saved. I said, tell you what. I said, let me whip you. and If you still need to get saved, I'll show you how to get saved. I remember one night, Terry, I said, meet me in the living room. I went in there. I said, now bend over. When I hit him, it was like hitting a pillow. 
he had went back to his bedroom and put on every pair of shorts he had to his name. He had every one of them on. But our family's been interesting. But it thrills us that God has called him. Remember the night when he came by? He said, Dad, do you think God's called me to preach? And I said to him, I have no idea. I could tell by the things he was saying that that was what was going on in his life, but I wasn't the one calling him. It wasn't my place to tell him that that's what's happening. But I said, you an angel, you go home, get on your knees, take a blank sheet of paper, down the very bottom, sign your name, and say, Lord, whatever you want to put up here, we're going to sign our name, that means we'll do it. He called me later that night and told me what the Lord wanted him to do. That's all he wants you to do. Just give your life to him. Do anything. He'll tell you what he wants you to do. Brother Tommy, I want our chairman of our deacons to come, and he has a couple of presentations to make to Terry. Terry, you come up if you would. This is really a great honor. On behalf of the deacons, I want to thank our special guest, Dr. And Mrs. G, for being here tonight, and Brother Bill. Wasn't that a blessing? And uh, we have an ordination certificate presented to, from Temple Baptist Church this day, March 18, 2001, to Terry D. Trivet. And we know God's going to bless him. And remember, everyone, when you're praying and supporting Terry, you have a part of his ministry forever. Because this is eternal work, and we appreciate very And it's real important that we present the, the Bible, a copy of God's Word. All these men signed this Bible. And I'm uh, 50 years from now, Terry will be still preaching. If the Lord don't come back, and he can look at these names, and he can really have a, a wonderful time just thinking about what God did for him and his family this day. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Let's all stand. Terry and Angel, I want you to come down front. I want you to come by and let them know you're going to be praying for them. And what a blessing. I say this, and I'm hesitant sometimes about saying things because he's my own son. But I think most of you, if not all, all of you, will agree with me. He's doing as good as anybody we've ever had in the youth department. We've got young people winning people to Christ, and, and it's a blessing. And we thank the Lord for it. If any of you that are here have not got on the ordination committee and council and participated, have not got to sign the Bible, please do so before you leave tonight because it will be a treasure of Terry's. You're dismissed. Come by and shake hands and fellowship. Let them know you're going to be praying with them. Let our guests know how glad we've enjoyed having them here today.